gentlemen, welcome to episode 5 of the Breakaway Banter Podcast. I'm Josh Ruxtall. And I'm Jeremy Rash. And I said podcast. I don't know why I, I said podcast. Hot start today. Hot, hot start. start. And we're, we're not restarting. This is this is nope. unfiltered, unedited. This is the podcast. <laughs> and uh, it's the holidays, so it's, rem- it's, it's forgivable. It's been busy. We both have been super busy. And... Uh, We'll just jump into it. My Leafs yep. did not look good. They had one good game in the last, like, five uh, when they beat um, the Columbus Blue Jackets. But um, not looking good. Last night they lost to the Ottawa Senators. And uh, it just looked like the team went away after the first period. Like, they're up 2 nothing going into the second, and the team just disappears. I think a lot of it was Matthews got a goal stolen from him by the toe like literally the toe of Matthew Nyes. It barely looks like it touched him. And I think Matthew's just like, that's it. It's not working for me tonight. I'm packing it in. Um, something's got to give. I mean, I, I mean, I say this as a Leaf fan and we're still in the top of our, our, our conference and our division, but something like you're getting out coached. If you can't motivate the players, I think a coaching change is needed. And like, I'm not the guy to be negative about the Leafs. Like I'm positive. I'm, like a coaching change needs to happen in my opinion and um some and defense we need to get um, a goaltender that's gonna make a save and get some big body <laughs> defensive defenseman because yeah our, we've got four uh defensemen that can put the puck on the net but our defensive zone is in shambles i i can't help but notice that you mentioned all those defeats but you didn't mention the pre-christmas stomping that the rangers gave them uh so i just you know thought i'd bring that up just you know make sure that we're we remember we remember was, these things but because... it, it, it had to come back the other way. The Leafs did just stomp the Red Wings, uh, the Red Wings, the Rangers, their first game. So we got the rubber match. It's set. It's going to be March 2nd where the Rangers play the Leafs. And then I think we put a little something on the line. I think, um, I think if the team that wins, the losing team has to cut a promo, the rock style, on how great <laughs> the team that won is. So if the Leafs win, you gotta cut a promo about how great the Leafs are. And if the Rangers win, Rangers win. I can't speak today. The Rangers <laughs> win, then we will have me cut a promo about how much I love and uh, think that the the Rangers are the team. You know what? I love that. I honestly think that you should start writing right now. I know it's a couple months away, but you know it's better. With my be stutter, I should for sure and practice a couple times. <laughs> today it's been. I think this is out of nowhere. I don't. I just can't speak. I'm all flustered here. The Leafs are are floundering, and I'm flustered. It's the holidays, like we said. But that leads <laughs> us into your team, the Rangers, who are. It seems to me, and, and you can tell me I'm wrong. When they've got it, they're all over it, and mm-hmm. then when they don't show up, it is miserable hockey. Absolutely, and it like luckily for a team like them right now, it's few and far between when they don't show up. Um, because they're they're playing very well against uh, I think they're seven and two against top teams in the NHL, and then all the losses come from um, well obviously one from the Leafs, um, and that's seven and two. But all the losses seem to come from teams like they're playing down similar to what you were talking about with the Leafs. Um, they lose games that are very very winnable or on paper you know are the fav- they're the favorites to win. Um, so you know luckily few and far between. Uh, Mika appears to be back, um, so I can't wait 
to see. Uh, it's, it's not like he was ever gone, but he seems to be playing like his, his old self again. And, and that's great to see, especially with Panarin popping off the way he is and then getting contributions from the defense and Adam Fox being back. Like, uh, I believe the Rangers actually have the, the most missed games from their starting lineup out of any NHL team this year. And they're still performing to this level. So I'll be and a excited lot of that was to see. Fox, right? A lot of it was Fox, um, but Kako has been out. Hedl uh, has been out. Um, so like, you know, that's two, two guys from the third line missing. Um, obviously not top six, but Fox is huge. But um, you've also had guys step up like Cooley looks mm-hmm. like he belongs there. I love Cooley. Um, he's, he's great. He's, I think he's the most hits for rookies right now. And like, I love the style that he plays and like, I'm happy that he made the team and, and I'm like, can't wait to see where he goes with the Rangers. Like, I think he's going to become like, I, he already is starting, but I think he'll be a big time fan favorite, like very, very soon. He might be the top hit in rookies, but I can tell you one thing. He's got more points than a uh, former first overall pick, Yaroslav Slavkovsky. He, uh, <laughs> he's, I'm coming after you, Montreal fans. Like, like you, they're, they're like the Montreal fans are coming after like Leafs fans right now, and they're saying like Slavkovsky's better than Matthew Nyes. Well, like Matthew Nyes was a a uh, second round pick who overperformed and math and uh is a first overall first round pick who's got seven points like i ain't good yeah and that is uh i believe gorton would have made that pick he former rangers uh general <laughs> manager so yeah i mean the other consensus number one shane wright hasn't played well yet either no. so and i think whole that draft honestly year is a little i think askewed from covid Absolutely. I was just going to say that. And I think a couple in the previous years were also skewed. Um, you know, it's funny, you're talking about first overall picks. The Rangers get a lot of flack over their first overall pick and second overall pick back-to-back years. But I think, honestly, in any like any situation, Lafreniere was number one. I don't think he ever moved um, for any team. didn't matter who picked. And I don't think it mattered who picked two. I think Kaka was going. Um, those were who was, the, that was, the, was that the Heischer year? That was the Hughes year. It was Jack Hughes went number one and then Kako number two. That was the consensus. Like, I don't think that changes. I also have no problem with that being on the team. I think that if they would have been put on in better situations, like I, the Rangers are a good team that they joined. So I think that like if you put them on a team and they're the focus of the team, I think you'll see a different result. So I think that's part of the reason that their development's being slowed. Also, though, you, um, as a Leaf fan, like – when you get these rookies that are coming in, when your team is already loaded in the top six, like, like how can they develop to be these amazing? Like, they they can't develop at the Connor Bedard pace because Connor Bedard's getting all the minutes, all the everything, and we'll get into Connor Bedard later. But the development also comes with being on teams that allows you to have time and give you space and to touch the puck to develop. And and our two teams don't offer that. But before we move away from the Rangers, I do have to say I was watching their last game before the holidays against the Edmonton Oilers. And what a third period collapse. (laughs) Holy. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That like um, that was Leafs. I thought I was watching the Leafs for a second, like because completely, like you. I was like, um, because the guy I was playing in fantasy had Quick, and I was like, oh man, I got to put this game on. Like I can't. I have to pray that they score one goal because Quick's been playing twenty fourteen Quick style. Yep. Like, I, 
like I gotta pray that one can get past him, but then he put a four spot past him in the third period. I was like, holy! <laughs> yeah, but it's funny too because like I always make fun of the Oilers because of all of the the embarrassment of riches that they've received from picks over the years, um, and never seem to be pulling it together. Like if there's any team that has worse luck than the Leafs, it's the Oilers. Um, but actually, you know what? I can't even really call it luck because they're the ones that are making the pick. Like, I think they're just like the worst managed team in sports since the eighties. <laughs> like, since since Gretzky left, like yeah, yeah. Like, what have they done? <laughs> All right, so we've got a great interview lined up. We've done the interview with Brad McLaughlin. He is a scout for the Fredericton Junior A Red Wings in the MJHL. He gave a lot of great insight into what it is to be a scout, what he looks for. And uh, without spoiling too much, um, I was surprised by what his response was, what he looks for when it was attitude above skill. Exactly. And the, uh, the, the uh, uptick in undersized guys that are going to be you know, showing up and, and how they're viewed from a, a scouting standpoint today. We won't be having any Jacob Trubas coming in the pipeline, but that's enough about us talking about it. Let's throw it right to the interview of the podcast right now. <laughs> He's currently an Atlantic Canadian scout for the Fredericton Junior A Red Wings, as well as a New Brunswick scout for Neutral Zone Scouting. He worked for three years with the now defunct stat track providing live statistical analysis for the teams from the U9 level up and including professional teams. As StatTrack was losing ground, he was directed towards ISS Scouting, where he was named Amateur Scout of the Year in 2021-22 season. He was hired as the Atlantic Canadian Scout for both the Corpus Christi Ice Rays of the NAHL and the Elliott Lake Red Wings of the NOJHL, before being hired by the Fredericton Red Wings after their Halifax Ice Jam earlier this year. Please welcome our guest today, Brad McLaughlin. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're looking forward to having you. That was quite a, a mouthful, but I mean, you've done a lot in the short time you've been involved in hockey. It sounds like. Yeah, I, uh, I've pretty much been part of junior hockey now for 18 years or so. I worked with the Woodstocks Junior A Slammers, doing a variety of things. Uh, yeah, so I've been I've been around the block for sure. So to start it out, um, I'm just going to ask you what initially inspired you or motivated you. To become a scout in hockey, I'm sure that that a stat, statistical analysis geared you right into that. Definitely. Um, so Danielle Barahowski, who was my my boss, she'd be the sister of Drake Barahowski, who played in the NHL. Uh, they had a company called Stats Track, and like you said in the in the intro, I worked for them for three years, working with a variety of teams all the way up to the professional level. And unfortunately, after COVID, uh, Stats Track kind of lost ground in the statistical analytics world um, and a few other companies had overtaken them and it just wasn't looking good. And so Danielle uh, was amazing, she's a phenomenal person. And uh, she directed me towards ISS and thought that I'd be, I'd be a good scout and uh, kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit and started thinking about it and decided that, uh, you know, looking at talent and being able to help a team or uh, now it's new future zone, being able to help, help a company identify young players uh, seemed like a really, really good, logical next step in my, in my progress through hockey. That's great. Um, so I guess just getting into some specifics here, what specific qualities or skills 
would you prioritize when evaluating a young hockey player? Uh, the, the first and probably the most important part is their, their ability to think the game. Um, where we're looking for such high-end players and, and we're looking at, a, at junior hockey, which has changed so much in the last few years where it's a lot faster. Um, guys have to make decisions a lot quicker. Men are on them much faster. And if they're, if they're not able to, to skate and be able to accelerate, then they, they just kind of get left behind. Um, and so we re I really focus on the skating uh, and then the other and to go along with them just being able to think that game and being able to do things quickly. Um, and then it all depends kind of on, on what, who the player is. But uh, I, I personally, as, as a scout, I like – uh, physicality in the player, but that's not every scout. But uh, definitely thinking the game and skating would be probably the top two. Now, with that being the way that hockey's going, it's going to a much faster, more skill-based game. How how has that changed the scouting world when you're looking at these players who are now much smaller? Like, you look at the top guys in the NHL now, aside from Matthews, like Cole Caulfield is like an average height. Like you're not seeing players that are monsters anymore. Yeah, the, the days of the Hal Gill, um, as much as I enjoyed watching him play, uh, th those days are slowly starting to uh, kind of go by the wayside. Um, they, I mean, we still look for size um, just because at the junior A level, um, it does tend to be a little bit more physical, whereas the Q uh, tends to be a more open game. Um, so we still do look for size, but... Size can come in a variety of packages. They don't necessarily have to be tall uh, as long as they're fit and able to uh, to play the game at a high level. So, but yeah, it's definitely changed now. You're not going to see a big lumbering defenseman who um, isn't able to, you know, necessarily do crossovers or anything like that. It's just, it's the game's much too fast for that. We're big fans of Jacob Truba on this podcast, big lumbering <laughs> nice. defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so I guess what would you say are like the most uh, challenging aspects of scouting a junior hockey player? Uh, we always say in in, in amongst with the Fredericton Junior A Red Wings and, and really all the Junior A scouts is that our draft is by far the most complicated and the most difficult because uh, your high end players, your top guys um, are looking cute. That's where they that's where they probably want to go and probably will end up. Um, and then now that there's been such a change in the, in the overall hockey climate, you've got the BCHL, which isn't affiliated with Hockey Canada, but they offer, team, they offer players that NCAA look. Um, and then we have a lot of players that now from around Atlantic Canada are choosing the U.S. route. So they're going down to prep schools and they're looking to play in the NAHL or obviously the USHL, trying to get into, the, into that so for for us in the junior a we're really kind of pigeonholed in that if you take the best player which is obviously what you want to do in a draft you may never see them so you're kind of looking for that guy who is right there on the cusp is going to be really strong in the junior a level but may not get a look at the q level so it makes it very difficult because um you know obviously your eyes are drawn to a kid like, uh, you know, Connor Bedard, like you're obviously going to, your eyes are going to go to him. A, a kid that plays similar to that. 
and uh, chances of them playing junior A is pretty minimal. To add another level to that, like, have you noticed that you also now have to contend with another junior A hockey level in the BCHL, having opened their their doors to more more kids from other parts of the country? Yeah, it's it's really made it uh, kind of a landmine field for us because um, there's kids that you know when you're talking to them when they're 16 years old, 15, 16 years old, which is their draft year. So, for instance, this year it's going to be um, those 2008 born players um, that are going to be coming through. And when you look at them and you're talking to them as a kid that's in, say, grade 10, you're like, you know, do you think you'd want to play junior A hockey? Do you think that you want to be here with the Frederick Junior A Red Wings? And, of course, they're going to say yes because it's an opportunity. Um, but then as they go through and they start seeing, okay, well, the BCHL is, you know, there's over 120 uh, guys getting NCAA Division One scholarships, and I'm not going to play in the queue, so maybe I want to go that way, especially for here in New Brunswick with Bradley Nadeau and Josh Nadeau having such huge uh, success at, at the BCHL level and now at the NCAA level, it's really pushing their eyes more towards there. So we're not just competing with the Q or competing with, you know, our kids going to go to the BCHL. Like we had a kid that, that went out there, Nathan Casey, as a 20 year old who played for the Moncton Wildcats uh, belonging to us, but because uh, BCHL is not affiliated with hockey Canada, um, it just, he was gone. We didn't get, you know, anything out of it. Um, fortunately for us, uh, Nathan made the decision after about a week to to return before the date that would have made it so he was ineligible to play Hockey Canada. So we were super, we were very fortunate there, but uh, we have a couple of draft picks that are out there, like Gus Altahan, uh, who's from Fredericton, is playing BCHL, who belongs to us in terms of the Hockey Canada umbrella, but because BCHL is not, not affiliated, um, we just, he just kind of lost. So has there been any instance where you could, you've identified a player that you thought was going to be great junior A hockey player that's been overlooked by other scouts and like what made you like this player? You don't have to name names, but like what makes you get your eyes on this player more than other people? Um, it's kind of interesting because you mentioned, you guys mentioned size and asked me about size and there, there's a player uh, who plays U18, still still currently there, and in his draft-eligible year was my year with uh, ISS. Um, and I had him right, you know, like probably sixth, seventh round Q guy, definitely a junior A caliber player, uh, but he was small. But he played an aggressive style. He wasn't getting a lot of goals, but he was always kind of buzzing. And I had him really high, and people, a lot of scouts were like, there's no chance this kid is going anywhere. And then, so he ended up being undrafted in his first year of draft eligibility. And then last year, he went in the first round of our draft, and he was also drafted into the queue. So sometimes you just you you just have a feeling about a player. You see the the way that they play. Um, and I I just saw something in him that other scouts just weren't seeing. And I think it's because he plays an aggressive style, but he's small. So people were looking at it as okay, he can do that here. But can he be that size, play that style against 20-year-olds? But that's just like one example. But it happens all the time. Scouts are going to see things, and, and other scouts just aren't going to see it. Awesome. That's, uh, 
it's really interesting to see because I think the size thing, like like we mentioned, that it's starting to go away. But I think you still even see some of that problem in the in the NHL level today. Like some people still taking size, some GMs still mm-hmm. leaning that way um, over the smaller guys. Even though you see it, you're, you're starting to see a ton more success stories in the NHL with the with the smaller definitely. Guys. Um, so I guess what advice would you give to young players um, aspiring to get noticed by scouts? Uh, the, the one thing, and it, it sounds kind of corny, but love the game. Uh, we see everything and we hear everything as a scout. Like uh, we talk to everybody, parents, uh, referees, we talk to everybody. And if you don't love the game, if there's no passion there, if you're doing it for a parent or you're just doing it because you're good at it, um, eventually that fizzles out. So, you know, showing that passion, showing the, showing that you want to be there, showing that you, you want to put in the effort, that you're going to work hard. Those are the things that we can, we can go into a draft room, into the war room, as we call it. And when we're yelling and screaming and, and slamming, slamming our hands on tables, trying to get our guy to be the one that's going to get drafted, that's something that we can go with. You know, uh, everybody can see, okay, this kid's an amazing skater. This kid had 47 goals. This kid, you know, whatever, has 100 assists or whatever it happens to be. Like, everybody can see that. So to stand out, it's all about passion, being able and having the drive to want to be at that next level. So when you're looking at players, what would you consider, like, your red flags when you're when you're looking to scout a certain player? For me, it's attitude, without a doubt. And we can see that. Uh, from a variety of ways. Um, every scout is going to be different in terms of where they position themselves in the rink. Um, I always, if possible, depending on the arena, obviously the, the building that we're in, uh, I position myself to the left of the away bench uh, up high. And the reason that I do that is I like to be able to see uh, the players and their interactions with their teammates and their coaches uh, on the bench. Uh, obviously, I mean, everybody in the rink sees a kid that gets a penalty and smashes their stick across a goalpost. But, you know, you watch them. Are they coachable? So as the coach is talking to them, are they just staring out at the ice or are they engaged in the conversation? Um, when, you know, their teammates do something, are they cheering them on? Are they cheering them up? Are they actually being an active teammate? Or are they just kind of sitting there waiting for their shift? Coach is talking and it's just kind of going over their head. And then they're just going out and doing their next shift. Um, that's just one of the things that I really look for. So my red flag is a kid that just does not look like they're interested, has a has a bad attitude on and off the ice, and is just not coachable. So to piggyback off that, how would you handle a situation if there's a kid who is an exceptional hockey player, exceptional skill, but he lacks those teamwork abilities and that attitude? Like, how would you approach that as a scout? Because obviously you want to get a great player. Well, you, the, the biggest thing is, is that uh, I talk to everybody, but um, getting that background information from, you know, the be- I mean, yeah, you can talk to coaches. Coaches are always going to be honest, but the best guy on the bench by far is the trainer um, because they deal with all of the good, the bad, and the ugly because they're the ones in the dressing room uh, with the guys. They're the ones that, you know, can say, you know, every day this kid comes into practice and just whips his towel on the ground and I'm always happy to pick it up. So they may not look like they're doing, they're, they're active and they're energetic and they want to be there, but you talk to a trainer and you find that, you know, this kid's always the last one to leave the dressing room. They're helping clean up. They're do you know, they're doing all these things. 
that helps to bring it up. But if, you know, we've talked to everybody and it's just coming across as like, this kid is going to be really, really difficult to deal with. And that's something that comes up at the war room. And, and, you know, one scout may say, you know, this kid, he's lighting it up. And then maybe if, if I have inside information, then I can say like, you know, I was talking to the trainer and this kid is not, uh, not, not going to be an easy one to deal with. And it's not that we can't coach that and hopefully change it. It's just something that would definitely come up in a conversation. Awesome. And that makes total sense to me. Like, it's funny, like just looking back and playing with some guys on my teams that I knew were really good and, and just kind of laughing at some of my, my experiences playing hockey growing up. Um, some of the guys that you had to have conversations with um, to, you know, get them to pass a little bit or to, to just kind of engage or be excited with the other teammates. And I find, you know, it's, it's tough at that age because, you know, a lot of kids just want to play hockey and, um, and I think that once you set them on the right path, uh, and if you have a good coach or a good trainer, anybody in the room, good role models, then then you can kind of start to nip those in the butt right away. Definitely. Um, so I guess um, one of our last two questions, but um, what do you find the most rewarding about being a hockey scout? It's just that feeling of camaraderie. Like I know we're all we're all in the rinks. Uh, you know, so at the big tournaments like the Montonio, you get the Ice Jam coming up. Um, those are big, huge events for us as scouts. Um, and so you've got scouts from every junior A team, every major junior team. You've got USHL scouts. You've got all sorts of guys. And we're like one big family. No, we're not going to, you know, give each other tips and inside information on players. But, you know, you go into the rink and you, you're able to sit there and have a conversation with somebody who is a scout for the team that you're hope, hoping to you know, beat out in the playoffs or you're hoping to snag a player that this guy doesn't get. But um, it's just that feeling of, of camaraderie amongst scouts. And then, of course, uh, having that sense of pride of wearing wearing the logo and, and being able to, to go into a rink and be able to say that you're part of something because um, the Fredericton Junior A Red Wings are a phenomenal organization and uh, we have a, lo- a long, long reach. Uh, we're also involved with prospects hockey, uh, young kids. So, like you know, being able to go into the rink. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was asked by uh, by Kyle, our head coach, because he was going to be away, if I could go and do some uh, evaluations for, um, I can't remember, the, it was like U6 and U9, I think. Uh, just being able to do those things and be part of that overall hockey community is just fantastic. Well, what would be the one thing you would suggest to somebody if they were interested in becoming a scout or getting involved as a scout? Because ISS, as you went through, is no longer an option. Right. Yeah. uh, Really, the only one that offers the course now would be um, SMWW, Sports Management Worldwide. Um, And that's definitely a way to go. Uh, I would not get, I would not trade in any of the experience that I had with ISS, um, because it teaches, it taught us how to, uh, write reports and how to identify key skills and how to word things properly. Because when, uh, when somebody's looking at us at a scouting report, uh, they want to see more than he was fast. Like they, they want to see what that means. Uh, so learning those things, but if that's not something that's an option, um, just volunteering, getting out there, getting involved as much as you as possible, getting into the ranks, getting no, getting, uh, you know, seeing people, talking to scouts, and uh, you know, eventually your name kind of gets around. Like I, uh, when I first graduated from the ISS program, like like you said, I was with uh, Corpus Christi 
and Elliott Lake, which was totally different than anything I'd been trained for, which was to train for, to do a draft. And neither one do a draft. It was all about fi- identifying players, finding them and, try- and getting them out there. Um, and so I took those, those positions knowing that, you know, I was very fortunate to get them and I was excited to have them, but I knew that that wasn't where I wanted to, to end up. I knew that I wanted to go further. And then through doing that, all the things with those two teams and being around the rinks, going to the Montoni and the Moncton, uh, the Moncton Classic, the Halifax Ice Jam, and just being in the rinks and being visible, uh, got me the opportunity with the Fredericton Junior A Red Wings. And it's just, it's, it's all about being there, doing the work, putting it in and just uh, approaching people. I mean, SMWW is a great program. And if I would definitely highly recommend taking that program if you're going to be looking to become a scout, but there are other avenues too. Uh, just talking to scouts, finding out what they think, um, and, and different ways that you could you could definitely get involved with a team, and then eventually you can move into that scouting role. Well, we'd be remiss without having you here during the uh, World Juniors on to get your opinion as a scout. What you think of the uh, as a general? Who do you think the dark horse is? Who do you think is going to win? And who are you impressed by? Uh, I definitely have to say that the way that Germany's playing. Um, do I think they're going to medal? No, but uh, they're always there. They're always kind of they're like that annoying mosquito. They're always there. Just the style that Germany plays, where they're they they know that they're not they can't wheel and deal they they know they're not going to be scoring ten goals a game like Canada did the, uh, yesterday. Um, they don't have superstars. They know that, so they they play to that cal- they play to that level. And that's the team. Those are the teams that I always that I always like because then you're going to see, uh, you know, from a scouting from a scouting standpoint, you're going to see guys that okay, well, maybe this guy could be like a late round pick or maybe a camp invite out of Germany give them a few more years to kind of season themselves over in Europe and then maybe get them over here. Um, you know, like uh, Slapkowski is a really prime example until the world championships, like he wasn't really on anybody's radar. And then all of a sudden world championships came around. It was huge. Uh, in terms of who do I think is going to win it? I mean, come on. I obviously got to cheer for Canada. I obviously think that it's going to be Canada. And uh, I, uh, But I really, really think that uh, Sweden's going to be hard to beat this year. Oh, I see. That's off the board for me. I thought Chechia, Chechia is up there for me. The USA is just looking dominant, yeah. but their, uh, their program like is incredible. But yeah, I just I don't know something about Sweden. They're, they're looking good, looking powerful. Well, we appreciate your time. We know you've got a game tonight, so thank you so much yeah. for your time, Brad. And uh, and we'll put your link to see uh, all your socials because you post great things about about the local junior A scene. We'd like yeah. for people to go see that. So definitely awesome. Right on. Well, thanks a lot, guys. What a fun interview. It was great to have him on the pod, and I think he's going to be our, our scouting correspondent. He's going to help us with some uh, Quebec Major Junior draft info later in the year. And uh, what a what a treat to hear his perspective on the World Juniors. Yeah, and it's always nice, that, you know, he, somebody who's used to that space and dealing with junior hockey players to give you a little more knowledge. See, I get a lot from watching. Um, and, you know, that's really it. Like, I'm not behind the scenes or I'm not, you know, and that's the whole Twitter. thing. Of, that's the whole thing about our podcast is we're fans. Yeah. We talk about it like fans. Yeah. We don't have like the inside knowledge, but him saying that Germany is a team that's really surprised him is is 
is fun to hear and that Sweden is a team that he thinks could do a lot. Um, I mean, I'm a Canada guy through and through. I've been watching their games. Everyone criticized Fraser Mitten, the Leaf prospect being the captain. I love it. He's great. He's a great character guy. He reminds me of John Tavares. Like, and he was he he lived with John when he was in Toronto with the Maple Leafs. He he gives that feel. He's not going to do anything too crazy. He doesn't have. He's not going to have exuberant amount of emotions. But he's steady. He's calm, and he can make decisions under pressure. And I think, in, I, I, as much as I respect our, our opinion of Brad McLaughlin with Sweden, I'm a Canada guy through and through. Yeah, you're Canada through and through. Well, I may be born all born in Canada, raised in Canada, but I'm cheering for USA this year, baby, because the Rangers prospect Gabe Perot is is knocking on the door, and I need to see something from him. Although we did just briefly discuss pre-pod that they put up 11 today, and he got one assist. So, I mean, you know, you wanted to see more out of your guy. When, when the team has a, a goal party like that, you want to see three assists. You want to see a three-point night from your guy. But he wasn't invited to the goal party. No, he and, wasn't. And, I mean, as much as I do agree, the USA did put up an 11 spot. You can't deny that. They, they do have the greatest names of players in hockey. Can't yep. deny that. But you let in three goals. Canada. Shut out. Great defensive hockey. Okay? So that is right there. What propels Canada above the USA. Like their goal differential. The goal differential alone. Canada's doing better than the USA. We'll see. We'll see about it. Celebrini. Celebrini has been phenomenal. As advertised, consensus number one pick going into the draft. Put him on the wing with Connor Bedard. Make it happen. It's going to happen. Boom. Celebrini is the future of hockey in Canada. First of all, nobody wants another dynasty to be on the Blackhawks this fast. I can't accept that. I don't accept it. I refuse for them to have the first overall pick. They're not allowed to get it again. Um, I hope it goes to literally anybody. Colum- you want him to go to Columbus? I would love him to go to Columbus because then I'd never Ugh. have to hear about him again. <laughs> <laughs> Great, another fan base that's going to come after the podcast here. Yeah, that's hey, a shot. That's we're, a shot. We're, we're never going to get Nasher on here to be a guest. <laughs> I, I'd either, I would like to state that's a shot at Columbus, not a shot at Celebrini. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, I don't know. All great players that go to Columbus come to the Rangers. Rick Nash, Artevi Panarin. Welcome well, home. Welcome okay, home, so Macklin. let's let's throw this in there. Who from the Chicago from the Columbus Blue Jackets right now do you want on the Rangers? Uh, I'd take Johnny Goodrow for fifty percent retain. An acclimation project. Yeah, I think he'd be fine playing for anybody, but uh, but Columbus. Like I, I don't know. There's bad things going on there. It, the season was a was a was destroyed from the get go. The season for them, yeah. Sorry, I had to plug my computer. And the season for them was, I mean, yeah, we've talked about in the pod that that right from the start with the coach and Babcock, they're they're a step behind. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think they'd be 15, 20, 25 steps behind. But then they come out and they play big teams, great teams, and they do well. We're, we, we have departed from the World Juniors, but 
I think it's going to be a Canada-U.S. final, and Canada once again takes home the gold. And I will give you Canada-U.S. final, but I think the USA is taking home the gold. I mean, sure. If that's what you, I mean, I'm not going to wager anything on it because we have so many wagers going on the podcast that we've got. Like, we can't just We're keep. Just... It can't be the podcast. Oh yeah, we'll wager this. We'll wager that. We'll wager the thing. You got like, there's like a running tab of like, an episode 53 wager from episode two has been fulfilled. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have a little side group chat for uh, for all of our wagers that we have, all the active and then the results that are going on. Um, We've but only yeah, got no. two right now. It's the Leafs, and then our other one is uh, Ovi. What? Ovi, right? Yeah. So two, two is manageable. We're only four episodes in, <laughs> so yeah. we're on pace for in a year to have uh, twenty-seven wagers. So, yeah. <laughs> but well, I also, yeah. while we we're we're just getting into it, uh, things happen. I want to talk about our very first sponsor. Oh yeah, Knuckle Puck. Knuckle Puck is a spice rub for barbecuing. If you like to barbecue, Knuckle Puck is the brand that you want to sauce your meat, to season your meat. It is great. It is delicious. It's not too spicy. It's not too sweet. It is a great flavor for any sort of barbecue style. Get yourself some Knuckle Puck. Link in the description below. Man, look at that ad read. That was perfect. You nailed it. You nailed it. You really sauced the meat on that one. Sauce the meat. We, oh, buddy, I'm, all the innuendos. I told them. I was like, you're getting all the innuendos. So we are in the middle of New Year's and Christmas, the holiday season. And coming up, we've got the outdoor game. We've talked about the jerseys. I mean, this might be the first year where I'm not super like up and jazz to watch an outdoor. I'll watch it because it's the outdoor game. But to me, it's a nothing burger of a game. Um, well, and like, here, let's toss two teams who have fan bases from the last five years into a game. <laughs> Here's a treat for all you guys that are just getting into hockey. Look at this cool thing we do. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think it's smart from a marketing level to give them a spotlight like this, especially where they're kind of, you know, like Vegas has got no problems. They've got a cup already and they've got a great team. Uh, they're and they're, in a, they're any... in a town that just loves the team. Yeah, they're not going to struggle to maintain a fan base as long as they're a good hockey team. Um, Seattle is kind of nice to see the success that they've had. I guess a little, a little bit of success they've had. Obviously, wasn't out of the gate like Vegas, um, but uh, I don't know. I I think that it's better than like obviously like you know I think it's better that they have more support than having none because then you end up with like an Arizona situation where like you know. Or something along the lines, you put them in these new markets without any like way for the teams to be successful right off the bat. Um, so I do think this is a better, but I think it'll, like I don't know. I feel like GMs are more prepared for the Seattle expansion than they were the Vegas expansion. Um, so yeah, they, I get that. As, they didn't get as fleeced. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to the jerseys that you hate so much. I actually love them. They're so boring. I feel like we. It's so funny because we're such good friends, but I don't know if we agree on anything. <laughs> But, like, I also feel like you like things just to see chaos. Like, I also feel that in my heart of hearts, you don't actually like certain things. You just say you do just to see the chaos unfold. I feel like you thrive on just pandemonium. I, like, you, know you live for it. I, I may or may not be guilty of that. Um, I think <laughs> yeah, probably anybody else in our friend group would agree with you on that. So, <laughs> you know what? Hey, we agree on something. I love chaos. <laughs> 
that's funny, man. So, yeah, I think... Uh, the thing I want to talk about, though, is in the mid-2000s, like, mid-2010s, from 2010 to 2015, there was this thing that HBO did every year for the Winter Classic where they followed the two teams and made, like, a docu-series leading up to the Winter Classic. Bring that back. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Like, you want to grow the game? That was perfect. You get to know these players. You get to see their personality. Like, I get it. Like, we saw the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs do the one for Amazon, and it was, like, an invasive full season. This is You're asking them for three to four weeks. Three to four weeks let our cameras follow you. Like, I remember – I don't remember any of those games from that time period, but I can quote things from the episodes of those shows. Like, I became a fan of Ilya Brizgalov because of that series. <laughs> Like, the universe is so humongous big. Like, that is because of this series. People became fans of Ilya Brzgalov comparing Siberian Huskies to blonde women, hot blonde women, from this series. Like, it grew people, it grew stock in players, it grew the game. You had them on HBO. Like, bring it back. Like, why? I don't understand where the disconnect is on getting us more in-depth content. Well, it's like, so I watch Hard Knocks on Amazon and it's usually like the training camp of a specific team for the NFL. Like even something along the lines of that, like, cause then you get to know like upcoming prospects too. And then you see like the cut process, like it's really in depth and personal, like kind of, you know, sometimes sad, sometimes funny. Um, and sometimes like, you know, triumphant. Um, like to me, that's, that's how you grow the game. Those types of things, you know, if they're not producing the content like that, then they're going to struggle um, I would also love to see like a quarterback style, like Netflix's yeah. quarterback, where you follow three captains. You get three, like, can you imagine one where you get one where, not even captains, you follow Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, and Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> I would watch that every day. Like, you've two, you have three completely different types of people, but two very similar people, actually. Brady and Matthew are quite, and then you got the most driven, competitive, like mind for the game nathan mckinnon like i would like into my veins give it to me now like that is what i want i want content that takes me outside of the game i think like honestly you just you know sparked an idea in my head i think we make the kachucks live together for an entire off season and we make it a reality show So I like while we're talking about the Kachucks, the, an interview happened. He got married this past summer, and they said, "What was the highlight of your summer?" He goes, "Thinking all summer about how I'm going to win the Stanley Cup next year." Like you got <laughs> married, buddy. Like that should not have been the highlight of your summer. Like <laughs> I, I think that I think you know you mentioned it about me. I think he said that because he knew what it was going to do. I think he is also a man who enjoys his chaos and getting a rise out of people. So. Of, have you watched him play? Like, of course, that's what he he is. You in the NHL, like, oh yeah. If I I don't even have a thumbnail of the skill. <laughs> so, so oh. leading from that, I I just want more content. Give me more outside. Like they're doing these little things where like they uh, do interviews with players and they they spread it out over the year, asking them like one like twenty questions in one interview, but they spread it out and they ask every player. I want things like that, but I want it to come outside. I want like that NHL 24 seven series. Give it to me. It's like, I don't think any fans hated that series. Like, I don't think I can't like nobody hated it. Like it was more content. Um, so going from that, 
I am incorporating a new game for us to play. I love to put Jeremy through the paces. And this one will be very similar. You have 20 questions, Jeremy, to figure out what player I'm thinking of. Man, I'm the worst at anything. So let's just... I will make it... I'll make it a little bit easier on you and say that he was a ranger. He was a ranger. Okay, so 20 20 questions. So I'm assuming you're going to answer yes or no. Yes. Okay. So you got... And I'm counting he was a ranger as the first. The first question. You're counting that as the first question. Okay. So you got 19 Um, more questions. And then next time you get no prerequisite. We're just going to go for it. Okay. Um, is he active? He is not active in the NHL. Okay. Um, is he... Did he play in the 90s? Uh, oh, my site crashed. One sec. I'm just pulling it up here. I... He... Was not active in the NHL in the 90s. 2000s yes so that's three so he's 2000s not active in the 90s and he played for the rangers did he also play for the leafs no no and he's not active now no was he a leading goal scorer or points for any team at any point in time I don't think he won any titles, but he definitely was up there. He led his team. Let's just say that. Um, is this player Marion Gabrick? Holy shit. <laughs> is that it? That is it. <laughs> just so everyone isn't just like, like, we'll pull it up here. Boom. Marion Gabrick. <laughs> I was trying to think, like, uh, you know, I, I was tossing between. I had Rick Nash set up, but you mentioned him when we were talking earlier, and I was like, oh, I can't do that. It's like fresh, like <laughs> the Rangers related stuff. I'm probably gonna get when as soon as as soon as you said that he was a top of his team, but probably didn't win anything. I was like, man, Gabrick had some good seasons, and then he got a his... raw deal. His his best season was the year he was the the uh, with the Rangers. It's eighty six points. His first yeah. year with the Rangers. Yeah, he. Uh, I just knew he had some good seasons, and I think honestly, it was funny. Like I was so pumped because the Rangers got Richards and Nash, and I was like, we got Gabrick too. I was like, how they even fit all three of those guys back with that tiny salary cap back in the day? I remember. He shot, he shot, he did the shoot and he got in trouble. And I learned that because of the 24 seven series. So suck (laughs) on that. But that's, that's what I, why I switched to Gabrick when we were talking about 24 seven series, I thought of like him shooting the, the, when he scored his goal and he got the penalty for, or no, was was that that Anisimov? That was Anisimov. Yeah. Same, same thing. (laughs) But yeah, it was like, I was thinking of guys like who, and then I was so excited because I, I remember thinking that they were like, this is the year, like they could win the cup this year. And then like two or three weeks into the season, Tortorella's like, I can't work with this guy. And then they shipped him. And I was like, you guys are so dumb. Like get rid of Torts before you get rid of a Gabrick uh, Nash Richards line. 
<laughs> Do you know what team he finishes NHL career on? Would it have been the Yotes or the because you show the picture of the Kings, so I know he went to the Kings for a while. Yep. And I know he was He played with... sixteen games with this team at the end of his career. Sixteen games with them. Gabrick. I'll take a guess, but I don't think it's gonna be right. I'm gonna guess that he played for the Blues. He played with the Blues. In between the Rangers and L.A., he finished his career as an Ottawa Senator. I did know that. That's hilarious. And then they traded his his contract, his LTIR contract, to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. Yeah, I remember. But that is the first episode of, the first installment of 20 questions. And yeah. you killed it. You got under 10 questions in and you guessed it. I need to take it. I need to dig back a little further next time. Oh man, if you go beyond like like when I was born, I'm probably going to struggle, but I'll probably so I think to keep it fair, we'll keep it in that 2000 at the earliest till now. Yeah, that's what I Just remember. Just to keep hockey. it fair. I mean, I was 9 when 2000 rolled around. And then I think next week you come with a with a player in mind and we'll do yeah. the 20 questions. Sounds um, good. I love it when our, our two favorite things collide. We talk about it a lot. Wrestling, hockey. Uh, CM Punk had his first match at Madison Square Gardens. And before his before the match, he's rocking a Shorzy sweater. I mean, yeah. can you expect anything less from the guy? He is a diehard hockey fan. Yeah, and I love that he was repping the Sudbury Blueberry Bulldogs uh, gear. Actually, I don't think there was the Blueberries. The Blueberry wasn't involved yet in that sweater, but no, man, it's what just a the show. Bulldogs. It's a great show, and like, I'm I'm not surprised uh, that he loves the show. He's a big hockey guy, and I think the thing for me is get him on season three. Oh, can yeah. you can you imagine? Like 100%. he's the goon that lines up against Shorzy. He's the the foe. He's the because it's <laughs> they're going to like the world the senior world championship. You imagine he's the American Shorzy. Like that would be, be hilarious. Perfect, and he would love it. He would, he no would do he it. I no bet you that. he'd do it for free. Like, <laughs> like that is a guy that if you want, like, Shorzy's big. In the hockey world, the show Shorzy is big. But you want to incorporate another, like, fan base, you get a guy like that to come in as a cameo. Like, you tell me he couldn't be the guy in the end of season two that's the enforcer that all three of the gyms beat the shit out of? Like, yeah. Like that's like, well, obviously it doesn't have to be a massive role. You just put him in like one or two episodes, boom, you drop kick the doors open. Well, the guy obviously draws numbers, right? Because there's a reason that everybody signs him, and there's a reason that they were able to mend the bridge and have him re-sign with WWE because it's because at the end of the day it's about business and the guy's a draw. So he's the biggest personality in this in, in wrestling. Like, and mm -hmm. you can debate me on this, but if you take fans that are like our age to 50, they know CM Punk. You yeah, take wrestling fans, fans, wrestling fans, you take, you take fans of wrestling 15 and under, they can't, t they know CM Punk. They don't know Ric Flair. And like, that would be a Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair. I'd say they, they're not as prevalent. They don't really know them as, as they're more excited about a CM Punk. Mm -hmm. and, well, and i think our generation as well like we're at the point now where he is in my opinion the biggest personality in wrestling 
currently, yeah, he's definitely got the most hype around him at this time. The well, look at the stuff that he got to do. Like he got to sign with WWE with like, or sorry, UFC with little experience in actual mixed martial no. arts, and it's because the guy's a draw. And UFC was trying to pull. Like I'm assuming they were using his name to try and pull WWE fans over to their product as well. Um, and like anywhere the guy goes, they talk about him, you know, whether it's positive or negative, he's talked about and, um, nobody's going to talk negatively about a guy who loves hockey on Shorzy. You know what I mean? So it's a win-win for everybody involved. And I'm sure he'd love a role like that. I don't know the guy, so I'm just talking for him, but I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? Who wouldn't love being on Shorzy if you're a big hockey guy. And he's repping the gear. He's repping the Jersey. Like it's, and the, you look at like another like uh, Shorzy is a subsidy a subsidy of Letterkenny. Letterkenny, mm-hmm. Squirrely Dan, massive wrestling fan, and he's buddies with CM Punk. Yeah, like the the, be... the the forbidden door is there. As we're using a wrestling <laughs> term, like yeah. like I just think I would love to see more crossover. Like I said, I always get excited when we see crossover. We saw that with the, the St. John sea dogs with their, their player, of the game robes and the coach going, yeah. But when CM, when you get WWE sharing content of, of, of CM Punk wearing not WWE clothes, that is not really heard of mm-hmm. the wwe they're they're pushing their merch please wear your merch because we need you to sell this merch for us they were actively sharing lots of different content of him wearing shorzy merch and like if you go to twitter a lot of people on twitter were like that's shorzy that's a great show love seeing that he's repping shorzy yeah, it's just, it's it's unbelievable the world that we're living in right now and that we get to be so blessed that we're getting crossovers at all. Did you see that the um, WWE announced they're releasing the uh, world titles for uh, NHL teams? Like NHL, oh, they are now? Yeah, NHL-themed and uh, WWE championships. Toronto Maple Leaf one going to go right over there, buddy. Like, well, for sure. Someone's got to win you a ship, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, like we're we're departing from hockey, but I mean, I would love to see the WWE make the Jacksonville Jaguars, the owner of AEW's, uh, hand them the title, the WWE title for the NFL, uh, winning the NFL championship. But that's neither here nor there about hockey. That's just me no. getting excited well, about ships. So they announced it. You know that uh, uh, AEW is actually not getting, or Jacksonville doesn't have an NFL. Or like, sorry, it doesn't. Uh, WWE is not doing a title for Jacksonville. Oh, they've announced that they would. They will not do one. Yeah, like so. No, like, um, like they did the branding thing where every NFL team in the league got a oh! WWE title, and Jacksonville refused. <laughs> I mean, good on them. Good wow. on them. You want to yeah. you want to take some stuff away from your fans? Good on you. But that's not hockey, and that's not what we're here to talk about. I want to talk about, have you ever seen a coach, 19 years after getting fired, be renamed head coach of that team? No, because 19 years ago when he was fired the first time, I was like 11. (laughs) So to put this in perspective, Crosby wasn't even in the league the last time he coached the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, that's wild. And I can't... uh... I don't know. To me, you know, 
if you're trying to get uh, you get a young and up and coming team, I think the the definite best thing you should get is a a really old coach with an old school style. Sounds <laughs> makes complete sense to me. You guys are gonna turn this ship right around. Yeah. I mean, I I think he's a placeholder for Alfredson to take control. I I think I would love to see Alfie. Like you see, like I've seen clips of him on the bench giving it to like a D man who's who's not skating back and skating hard. That's what I want to see from like you got to have a coach that's going to keep these young guys accountable because like before that it was the inmates running the asylum and yeah. but I just think it's just crazy the last time he coached the Ottawa Senators Crosby wasn't in the league they so they're like you know what who was good nineteen years ago for us Jacques Martin. Let's yeah. bring him back because, you know, if anything history teaches us is that onwards and upwards and it, it's due to repeat itself. So if we bring him back, maybe we'll be repeatedly good and we can play the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. Yeah, and you know what hasn't changed at all in 19 years? The NHL. No, hasn't changed one bit. It's but still no, all big you know, guys, big all hits, jo- fights. All, all jokes aside, like, um, they needed to do something. I expected kind of big things out of Ottawa this year. Honestly, I thought they'd be a big player in the Atlantic and you're just not seeing it. So they need to do something and maybe a little old school mentality for some of these guys will be uh, helpful. As a, as a fan of a team that's in their division and just got just trucked last night. Um, I can't wait till Claude Giroux retires. Cause he loves to eat up the Maple Leafs. Like he is a gamer when it comes to the Maple Leafs. I and I as a Leaf fan, it pains me to say I enjoy the Ottawa Senators style hockey. I think that I just don't know if going with a super old coach is the move. Well, I mean, you know, thirteen wins. I just did a quick Google search. You know, I mean, it can't be worse than what they're doing. So, yeah. you know, I don't even know what to say. Here. I mean, there is nowhere to go but up. Like, and, but I just don't, I just thought it was a crazy stat. I don't think it's ever been where a team has rehired a coach 19 years after. Yeah. After you last coached there, like uh, there's no player, like, is there any player currently in, there's no coach that has been coaching since 2004. I don't think. Not in the same spot. Well, no, but, like, yeah. I don't even think there's any coaches that are still... Like, Lindy Ruff might be the only coach. I don't even know if he was coaching in 2004. And I would argue that he shouldn't be coaching still, but... <laughs> you know. I mean, do you want them to bring back the fire Lindy chance? Uh, no, the last time they did that, they beat the Rangers in the uh, in the playoffs. So, no, you know, <laughs> keep Lindy, don't fire him. <laughs> I think you should keep... Sign him to an extension, 15 years right now. Do it. While we're quickly on the Rangers, uh, I mean the Devils, did you see the fan leaving the game just puke everywhere in the upper bowl? Did you see that video? Talk about a summary of their entire season. Um, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, That video was hilarious. Like, Buddy is buckled. And the poor people in front of him that he just, like – like just, I mean, you want to? I feel for range uh, D- D- New Jersey Devils fans because you're so hard on them. So I try to be the guy that's like super positive and like that's okay. Like you guys are super entertaining to watch. Like Luke Hughes last night, gross, gross yeah. goal. But when 
your fans do stuff like this, it becomes a little hard to defend. I mean, that probably happens at every game. It just happened that somebody was filming this guy just chundy in his guts out. You know what? I think that we should nickname that guy Pukes. Um <laughs> <laughs> So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I honestly believe that he actually looked down, saw what jersey he was wearing, and just puked. I don't even know if he was drinking. I think he's just so upset about the, the jersey choice he made and the life choices he's made up to this point that he just just vomited. There's nothing he could do about it. This is a clip for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but while we're talking about nasty, disgusting things, we'd be remiss to not transition this conversation to Connor Bedard. Like, the kid is on a tear, and this team should be in the basement still, and if they aren't, it's because of this kid and this kid alone. Like, last night, both goals for the Chicago Blackhawks were filthy. They're both by Connor Bedard, and the kid is just showing he is ready to be an elite player in the most elite hockey league in the world. 100%. Um, and everything that we've seen up to this point with him in this season, he is as advertised. Um, and you're noticing more like, you know, people were complaining earlier in the year about how much media attention he was getting. Well, it has been warranted. Um, this kid is amazing. Do, um, do you and- not want to grow the game? Like, and like, and that's the thing that makes me angry is like, oh, there's too much media attention on Connor Bernard. It's good for the game. It's growing the game. The kid is the kid is better than, arguably, my opinion, better than Crosby. He is going to do more for things to grow the finesse and skill in that high-end skill of the game. Crosby had a better defensive game. I'm not taking that away from Crosby. Crosby was a different player. Bedard has the ability to change the skill level, the, the way that the game is played, at a skill high-skill pace. Like... His mishy was nasty. And it's only not talked about because Zegers's was way faster and happened literally an hour after Connor Bedard hit yeah. the mishy. I'm not convinced he wasn't watching that game during warm-ups and he goes, oh, they better not forget about me. And he just First game back his after back. his injury, he just mishies it like that. But his his Michigan was beautiful it just so happened that Zegris had one that was, in my opinion, a little bit better on the same night. It's a Michigan. It's impossible to do in the NHL. Yeah. They well, both did it on the same night. I, I love seeing stuff like that. You know, people get all up in arms. They're like, we need to ban it. I'm like, no, we don't. Um, it does still doesn't happen enough for it to be, you know, a problem. Um, and I also think, like, if you don't want it to happen to you, stop it. That's a crazy idea. Defend. You got defensemen. You got a goalie. You don't want it to happen to you. Throw a check. Throw a- the thing with Bedard's that was phenomenal is he did it glove side on the goalie. Yeah, like I- his his like blocker side. I understand those going beating a goalie. Glove hand. You just put your glove there, buddy. Like your goalie in the NHL. He's coming around. His puck is literally on his stick as he skates around the behind the net. You know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Put oh, your yeah. glove up there. <laughs> Beat him glove side with a mishy. Gross. Gross. <laughs> like, it's not even a debate. This kid is the Calder winner this year. Like, give him the award already. He's He is going to make the Chicago uh, Blackhawks way more relevant quickly than they should ever be. 
And, like, you get the people that are like, they shouldn't have even had that pick. Fair. They have the pick. They got him. Deal with it. He is putting that team, he's bringing it back to where it was. And I wouldn't be surprised if when Taze decides he's going to play hockey again, he's right back in Chicago playing with Bedard. Yeah. If uh, hopefully he could be healthy enough to come back. Um, but, you know, I agree with you. I think that they'd be crazy enough to sign him. And I don't think it would take anything away from Bedard, like, because Taze is just going to be kind of a complimentary person. They probably even won't even play on the same line. Um, he'd just be there to help him out a little bit, mentor him, but, you know, teach him about what it's like to be a champion in Chicago. The other thing while we're on the Blackhawks, I want to quickly talk about, and uh, I was listening to game notes, and uh, Murley had a hot take. He thinks that Nylander and Elias Pettersson want to be Chicago Blackhawks. I saw Can that. Can you imagine I... how quickly that would become a disgusting team? Like, you get a line of Pedersen, Nylander, and Bedard in the center. Like, what can you do? Yeah, I saw that. Can't see it happening. I'm immediately, <laughs> immediately, I was like, get this guy, cut his mic, cut it off. <laughs> I'm not dealing with this. Um, number one, I don't want it to happen because it's terrifying. Number two, I don't think it actually will happen. Um, but it is fun to think about. I'll give him that. I, I, it would be too scary for me to want to deal with, but I'd have trouble sleeping, honestly. Um, if, you're so, top, if you're a top player in the league that's going to be a free agent, how can that not be enticing for you to play in one of the oldest hockey markets mm-hmm. with one of the most ravenous fan bases that has a generational talent who's just one year into his career? Like, how can that not be tempting? Like, you look last year when they were like, oh, we got to sell a lot. Nobody wanted to go to Chicago. I think you get you this year where the people didn't know to, whether to believe the hype of Bedard and they weren't ready to buy in. on if, Like, I bet you you wouldn't need to spend $5,000 on Nick Foligno and redacted Corey Perry. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think... I think you'd have way more guys willing to play on that team, knowing what yeah. they know now. I mean, give Phil, I, give Hot Dog Phil a call, put him on that team. They are going to the cup, and he's going to be drinking hot dog water and drinking Coke on the bench. See, I think they need to give it a couple of years before they start bringing in any good UFAs, because I think you want to definitely finish off this season poorly. Get your high pick again. Get Celebrini. Yeah, well, no, no, not Celebrini. Someone <laughs> four, to five, someone four to five picks after Celebrini. That's fine. I accept that. Um, but you know, you got to get a high pick this year, and then maybe after next year, you start looking at UFAs that are going to be coming up, and start bringing them in to kind of gel with your team, and then you could really speed up that rebuild process. Very similar to what the Rangers did, except they were gifted a first and second overall. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I mean, I would love to see the chaos of just people jumping ship to want to be, but I understand and I, I respect your 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 theory yeah. on the Chicago Well, I just Blackhawks. think I'd hate to see them kind of you know rush and ruin a rebuild like that's that's gonna be so promising because they've got a piece for the next you know fifteen years like so. I think if you finish in the bottom this year and you get Celebrini, you buy all the free agents and you, you go for it immediately. Yeah. Yep. I wouldn't sign him long, though. That's, that's the only tough thing. Cause you never know. Like he's that's the last. Well, thing you got you, you know after this year in two years you're giving Bedard the biggest ticket in hockey, most likely. So, but 
I think I'm going to end it on a good feel, a good story today. Um, uh, I was working at the barbershop that I work at, and this gentleman had to be in his 80s. Comes in, I'm wearing my Toronto Maple Leafs hat, and he goes, oh, are you a fan of hockey? And instantly, as soon as I said yes, this man became comfortable in our shop. He started chatting my ear off about hockey. It doesn't matter if I didn't know any of the players he was talking about because he's talking about listening to games on the radio and that how his favorite he was a Montreal Canadian fan listening to games on the radio and I didn't know anything but the passion that he has for hockey I understand because I have the same passion so we started talking about it and we talked about how crazy the summit series was and how crazy like the Olympics are and how we haven't had Olympics for a couple years and and instantly I, with this old man I've never met before had this bond and we started chatting about hockey and it's just, that's what makes me love doing this podcast and, and, and chatting with you about hockey is the people listening. I have that connection to them because we both love hockey and, and I don't know if you can, I, I'm sure you feel the same way, but like, it's amazing how a sport, I don't have to cheer for the team you like. You don't have to cheer for the team I like, but we both like hockey so we can we we bond over that instantly and we can have a conversation. Yeah, and I've I've met so many people myself too, you know, of all ages, just through conversations about hockey, you know, maybe sometimes you're sitting at a bar having a drink and the game's on and you can kind of, you know, or maybe you're out at a restaurant eating and you maybe two people erupt at the same time because you're cheering for the same team. And I've met a couple of uh, actually fellow Rangers fans in New Brunswick from just those random circumstances. And it's always kind of fun how it just pulls you, it brings you together. And, I, and I'd like to see, you know, um, you know, more effort to include ab- absolutely everybody. Like, cause it's just such a fun thing that we get to have. It's something fun that we get to be passionate about outside of work. You know what I mean? Outside of, of everything. Um, I love it. And I love doing this with you too. Like this has been a blast. And like, I just want to leave us with that. Like, it just like, I love, I love getting to share my love of hockey with you, Jeremy, with everybody listening that tunes in, that watches our TikToks, that joins the TikTok live. Um, I just love sharing my love of hockey and I know you do too. And that's what's, I think that's what's kept our drive to keep doing this is we just love hockey so much and we just want to share it with everybody. Yeah. And it's the holidays. So now we just, this is our big hug to everybody. Yes, and, and then soon in the next episode, Jeremy's going to be coming out crotch chopping because it's the new year. And <laughs> new year, save me! I ain't changing. Um, the devils suck. <laughs> he's going to come out. He's, he's going to come out to start the next new year, and you're just going to have like the. I just would like to issue an apology. I've been wrong for many years. <laughs> And then just complete heel turn and just, I don't apologize for nothing. Yeah. I'd like to take this time to apologize to absolutely nobody. <laughs> but this is our, this is our holiday episode. We just want to thank you for listening. Thank you for following us on social media. Thank you. If you've sent me a message saying like how much you're appreciating the podcast, you sent to our page a message. We appreciate that. We, we, we love connecting with you guys that are listening and girls and, um, big things are happening in 2024 and this is just you've been with us for like the beginning where we're figuring out what we are how we're how we're going about it and i think 2024 is going to be a great year for breakaway banner i agree and i can't wait so thanks for joining us 
Thank you for joining us. We will see you next week. Have a good one. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy the outdoor game. I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about it. Enjoy the World Juniors. There is lots of good hockey to watch right now. And it's a great time to be a fan. So see you next time and have a good one.